0: What if you had a guide who could tell you how to bridge a gap between who you are today and who you're destined to be? What if each week you could hear a story of someone who has tried and succeeded, or perhaps tried and failed, but learned something in the process? Limitless Spirit is a weekly podcast where host Helen Todd interviews guests about topics and personal stories on defining life's purpose, pursuing personal growth, and developing a deeper faith in Christ.
1: And uh, later on, of course, I, I had first-hand experience uh, of what I call the prison theology. Uh, that is, uh, millions of Chinese Christians had uh, experienced that uh, if you are a true follower of Christ, you want to be faithful, imprisonment, uh, detention, torture are the norms uh, in China. But the thing they fear most is the manifestation, is the evangelism, is uh Preaching uh, and practicing your faith in your workplace, uh, that is totally forbidden. I think now in the West, we are unfortunately eyewitnessing this uh, trend by this uh, radical political liberalism uh, to change the definition uh, almost uh, closer to the Chinese communist uh, version of uh, uh, definition.
2: We all have heard of religious persecution of Christians in China, but is the situation in the United States much different? I'm your host, Helen Todd, and my guest today is Bob Fu, the founder and president of China Aid, an international organization that fights for religious freedom in China and around the world. We talk about Bob coming to Christ as a student in China, the current state of religious freedom in China, and early signs of persecution of Christians in the United States. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Limitless Spirit podcast. Hello, Bob. Welcome to the Limitless Spirit podcast.
1: Thank you, Helen, for having me.
2: I'm so excited to talk to you about what you do, about your personal story. Um, I also want to tell you, I absolutely love China. Our organization has worked in China since 1999. Wow! Uh, my children basically grew up traveling with us on these trips to China, and my oldest son, who is 25 today, he accepted Jesus in China when he was three years old. So as you can imagine, um, I feel very connected to your country.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful to hear.
2: So you really have a very interesting biography. Let's talk about you personally for a little bit. So... You participated, to start with, you participated in the student demonstrations on Tiananmen Square. So um, tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, that was uh, 32 years ago. I was a university student at the time. And then, of course, uh, when the Beijing students uh, started uh, the protest a demonstration. I organized our university. Basically, went to Tiananmen Square and occupied part of the square and uh, calling for a more accountable government, a more uh, freedom, uh, more democracy. In the end, of course, uh, none of uh, our students leaders had expected the so-called people's government would send the so-called people's liberation army. And uh, with the military tanks and machine guns and conducted a massacre of thousands of uh, Chinese uh, students and the citizens. I was spared out of uh, the massacre three days before it happened because my then girlfriend later on became my wife, Heidi, was very sick, uh, sent to the ER. So I did not become a tank man but god actually also rescued me out of uh, that uh, the massacre and uh, i became a follower of christ the same uh, year in the
2: winter of 1989 so when you participated in these demonstrations did you really believe that it can make a difference
1: well at the time uh, certainly uh, from a humanist perspective i did see you know the humanity, the freedom did transpire, inspire people to act and uh, with the generosity. And, uh, you know, when perhaps millions of uh, students and the citizens were marching on the street in Beijing and people were like handing out uh, the ice creams, the water, the food, and uh, even the, the thieves in Beijing. Uh, had made an announcement like a ceasefire. So there's some uh, real dynamic change. But ultimately, uh, as uh, we have seen, uh, if we put our hope in the political system or any uh, system of uh, governance or political party or any human being, we are doomed to be disappointed. And uh, just like what had happened when the Communist Party had been talking all this uh, great ideal, this utopia uh, idea of equality, of uh, class struggle, of uh, all uh, this, uh, uh, even they talk about uh, their own version of uh, democracy and freedom, then the massacre uh, was uh, uh, kind of uh, instigated. And uh, instead of uh, helping its own people, hundreds of thousands of lives uh, were killed. Under the Chinese communist system, we all know uh, in the past 70 plus years, uh, over uh, 80 to 100 million lives were cost because of the simply political campaigns one after another.
2: So the same year you became a Christian, and I read in your biography that what inspired you was reading a biography of another Chinese convert to Christianity. What specifically in this person's story uh, prompted you?
1: Yeah, that was uh, the pastor Xi Xiong That story, I mean, the biography was was smuggled in to China by our American English teachers who were uh, Christian missionaries. I just, uh, during the time of uh, investigation, confession time uh, by the Chinese prosecutors against those uh, organizer leaders of the protest like me, I was so, uh, I mean, disappointed, uh, despair,ed and even disillusioned not only really to the political leadership, but also to those friends uh, who really uh, betrayed me. And uh, I thought I was a good man. And uh, then I think this uh, biography uh, for Pastor Xi showed me, uh, number one, you know, I was uh, as deprived, as sinful as my betrayers. I was full of hatred toward my betrayers. And uh, uh, number two, uh, there's no nothing or no other human being can really uh, change uh, the heart of a human being. If uh, only the appearance, only some behavior, uh, you know, kind of uh, morality change uh, through some kind of Communist Party propaganda is only temporary and uh, only create more hypocrisy. And we need a heart change. But uh, when I read the testimony of Pastor C., it says, uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So we need a new creation. I mean, who can create a new creation without the creator himself? And uh, who can really redeem a sinner in such a depravity unless uh, the Redeemer, uh, Jesus Christ himself, through his salvation, by faith alone in him. So that's how I came to really the total conviction by the Holy Spirit that uh, I need to come to him and to surrender myself and to accept uh, him as my Savior and the Lord. Uh, So that's how from uh, my own soul to a soul of China, I think Jesus Christ is the only answer. So that's how yeah, my faith journey started.
2: So then you sort of um, channeled your passion for change and transformation into sharing the gospel in your country, which again got you in trouble with the government.
1: That's right. Uh, so after I became a Christian, I mean, uh, a follower of Christ, I felt, well, you know, the, in this world, there's nothing more uh, joyful uh, than sharing this good news of, uh, you know, really eternal life. So I just, uh, you know, without much uh, theological education, became a, a volunteer full-time evangelist. <laughs> and uh little did i know that uh, the chinese communist party had some this uh, very strict uh, religious policy of uh, really forbidding uh the free uh evangelism and uh, they basically in their eyes uh, this is uh, subversive to their political power because you're preaching the gospel a uh, lord of your life uh, higher than themselves, than the Communist Party, than Chairman Mao, than all the Chinese Communist Party's authorities. And that, uh, itself is a danger to, in their eyes, uh, to their national security, to their political dictatorship. I still remember even, uh, during the time I was still, uh, as a student, um, the uh, public security officers, the University Party Secretary came to grab me again and uh, seriously warning me that uh, the university students are regarded as the children and successors of the Chinese Communist Party. And uh, you can't share this uh, they called a superstitious Christian faith. And uh, later on, of course, I, I had firsthand experience uh, of what I call the prison theology. Uh, that is, uh, millions of Chinese Christians had uh, experienced that uh, if you are a true follower of Christ, you want to be faithful, Prison, imprisonment, uh, detention, torture are the norms uh, in China. And uh, so in 1996, both my wife Heidi and I were arrested for being accused of uh, engaging uh, illegal evangelism. Uh, so were thrown into a jail, uh, started our time of uh, prison theology, uh, you know, experience.
2: So eventually you had to leave China and uh, you immigrated to the United States. And uh, since then, uh, you have become a passionate advocate for religious freedom for the Chinese Christians, but also really religious freedom as an issue in general. One thing uh, I want to ask you, so I mentioned in the beginning that we as a ministry, as a missions organization, have been involved in China since 1999 until probably about three years ago, very actively and made yearly and sometimes several times a year trips to China. And it seemed like this period of from 1999 until probably 2015 or maybe a little prior to that, there was relatively a freedom there was sort of a renaissance of christian faith you know it it seemed especially in some areas and ser- some provinces more than others you know there seemed more freedom for people to follow christ to become christians uh, we even had meetings with uh, many different government officials and they gave us the impression that we do not interfere with people's religious beliefs as long as their religious beliefs do not speak against the government and the authority and so some of them said we can see that in christianity you know it's not really encouraging people to stand against the authority so then there was a sharp change in the policy and uh, and of course it seems like right now the situation reverted back to very strict times and, and, and strict policies. So what do you think was the change?
1: Yeah, um, you are right, Helen, to point out there is some dramatic change um, between the prior President Xi, or we called it basically Chairman Mao Jr., <laughs> President Xi's time, the current president uh, and chairman of the Chinese Communist Party, is... Uh, before 2015 or, or so, basically, um, yes, uh, I mean, uh, during President Jiang Zemin and Hu Jintao's time, that's when you were visiting China. Uh, I wouldn't characterize this as, uh, you know, a kind of a total freedom. At least, it's, uh, as you said, there's some tolerance. All the house churches in their legal status are still was characterized as illegal but uh in some areas some communist party leaders uh chose to really i think at least to tolerate the existence the uh even the revival i mean they see the social benefit for um the christian uh, presence um because um, you know one, the chinese church used to say one more christian one less criminal one more church one less prison you know the the Christians are the best citizens. Were paying taxes, to really obeying the law. So they saw that you know kind of a uh, uh, social benefits. But then uh, there is a dramatic change after President Xi Jinping took power. Of course, uh, he uh, models uh, President uh, uh, I mean Chairman Mao's model uh take China into really uh diehard communism ideological driven society and uh his uh, hero is Kim Jong-un uh in North Korea. So um because uh, that was uh, the time he grew up um uh in his twenties uh, I guess uh, he saw Uh, the people, uh, if they are less educated, if they are shut down from the outside world, if they are uh, not uh, given uh, too much freedom, uh, it's easier to be brainwashed, it's easier to be manipulated, and it's easier to be under the Communist Party's total control. And certainly, it's easier for the communist uh, regime uh, to last longer. So I think that is uh, the dynamic. Uh, certainly, I mean, we all know that the kind of uh, it's a spiritual warfare, right? Because why all of a sudden these uh, Christians are regarded as greatest uh, citizen groups, uh, even during the earthquake uh, in two thousand eight. You know, the Christian groups, even the persecuted Christian groups, the house churches, are the first group. Ah, uh, driving tractors, the cars and donations on the top of any other group
2: I was actually there in Chengdu during that time. Oh, and so, wow, so with some this. friends from church, we went out, and we uh, it was the Chinese church that was doing that. And they were passing out bottles of water to the people who yeah. lost their homes in the earthquake. And on the bottle, there was just a label that said, Jesus loves you. And it was so wonderful to see, you know, these people that are completely confused and they're sitting on the ground. And it's the, it's the heat, you know, and somebody handing them a water saying, Jesus loves you. And they were saying, who is this Jesus? Why does he love us? So, wow. yeah, the church was mm-hmm. doing wonderful, wonderful relief work.
1: I mean, you have firsthand experience and uh, and uh, I witnessed uh, that uh, uh, time. Yeah, so that that is uh, uh, you know Chairman Mao's time uh, was uh, back. I mean, now China is uh, almost uh, into a, a full blown uh, the uh, new cultural revolution. The church had been uh, targeted um, the worst since the cultural revolution forty years ago. And uh, not only the uh, independent house churches, even the government-sanctioned churches are being targeted under this uh, new slogan, sinicization, which means basically the fascification, I call it, like fascism, Uh, I mean, communism ideology has to take the dominant of everything. You know, so if a, a church pastor Refuse to pledge the total, uh, complete uh, loyalty to President Xi himself, then yes, you're not qualified to be a pastor. If uh, a church congregation would uh, uh, not sing the Communist Party and the uh, Communist uh, uh, Revolutionary Songs or anthem uh, at the start of the worship service, then a pastor could be arrested. And, you know, one pastor, Lee Jun-tae, yeah, was sentenced to seven years imprisonment for uh, refusing to even put uh, flag, a flag, Communist Party flag, uh, at the parking lot of the church. You know, now all the Bibles uh, were being uh, taken from the e-commerce store. Uh, unfortunately, these uh, Western companies like uh, Apple, uh, like uh Amazon, they also adhere uh, to the Communist Party's uh, ruling and uh, took off uh, Bibles and apps uh, from their uh, stores as well. So that's uh, happening. And also millions of Chinese children, Christian children, for the first time since Cultural Revolution, were forced to sign a Communist Party-prepared form to renounce their faith in public. Uh, and uh, parents and uh, educators and even doctors and nurses are now totally forbidden to have their faith, you know, at uh, any educational uh, institutions, in, uh, uh, hospitals, uh, clinics. The citizens were even given a very large monetary incentive, like uh, in the city of Guangzhou, I'm sure you, you had visited. Uh, were offered uh, for $100,000, equivalent U.S. dollars, to uh, so-called report the uh, self-proclaimed illegal evangelists and uh, illegal religious activities. So it's a real new cultural revolution.
2: This is absolutely heartbreaking for me to hear, um, you know, knowing that many of my friends there are in that type of position, but also this is a very vivid example of how important it is for us to be vigilant about guarding religious freedom uh, in a society because it's fragile and, and it can be taken yes. away from us. That's right. And so let's talk a little bit about how do we define religious freedom? Mm-hmm. What is a true religious freedom in a society? And is it really possible?
1: Well, you ask a very um, sophisticated question in that sense, um, especially the latter part, right? But uh, the definition of religious freedom uh, can be summarized uh, based on the Article 18 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights that signed uh, even by China in uh, 1948. And then, of course, uh, elaborated on the another article 18 of uh, international covenant on civil and political rights basically i summarize it into like uh, two major components of uh, true religious freedom number one is uh, of course that uh, you have uh, by having religious freedom means you have your freedom of your uh, religious belief as an individual number two uh, is the uh, freedom of manifestation and practice of and carrying out your faith uh in public square especially or anywhere. Uh so that is a very key component. I think uh the Communist Party, even in its own constitution, you know, Article 36 in China said, oh, so the Chinese citizens have freedom of religious belief. Uh, to them, religious belief is only a very internal individual thing. And, um, of course, uh, except to some uh, belief like Falun Gong, like, uh, you know, uh, even some kind of Qigong the, uh, or Tibetan Buddhism. So they are totally forbidden to even have that belief. Uh, most of the time they tolerate some kind of, uh, you know, internalized uh, belief. But the thing they fear most is the manifestation, is the evangelism, is uh, preaching uh, and practicing your faith in your workplace, uh, that is totally forbidden. I think now in the West, we are unfortunately eyewitnessing this uh, trend by this uh, radical uh, political liberalism uh, and leftist ideology is uh, also try to corner, uh, to change the definition uh, almost uh, closer to the Chinese communist uh, version of uh, uh, definition and uh i just i mean i learned of course uh so many cases in in the u s especially under the 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 pretext of covid nineteen uh in canada you know you have seen even pastors who are arrested for basically sharing uh, the, uh practicing their faith and you have a american christian lady whose case was adopted by first liberty institute and uh uh, she was issued a kind of a gag order preventing her, the judge ordered her not going to the park, that she basically just peacefully sharing the gospel. And uh, so these things now are coming to our shore. Uh, and uh, of course, I mean, where is the uh, First Amendment, right? In this country, uh, we are guaranteed uh, with the religious freedom yeah I think that is being intruded.
2: I'm so thankful that you pointed this out because this is where i exactly I was heading with that question. You know, it seems like uh, America is, you know, the the example to the world of a democracy and a free society. I mean, that's the country that the world looks up to. But if you think about it, especially in the recent years, there is anything but religious freedom in America. And I think this last year's pandemic really brought that to light, you know, how, how limited our rights are. and uh, And it seems like um, particularly there is a limited freedom for Christian faith, whereas right. other faiths mm-hmm. are being elevated above Christianity. So we want to protect the freedom of people of other faiths yes. at the expense of um Christianity. And so that's why I asked the second part of the question: Is it really possible to have a truly free society? Because one person practicing their faith inevitably offends the the feelings or sentiments of a person practicing another faith
1: well yes i mean uh, or no in the sense uh you know in the ideal uh, uh kind of a world um you would think uh the uh, harmonious uh, society would uh have, uh, the all faiths, uh, not only their belief, but also their practice being protected. But in, under the fallen world, uh, we, especially the anti-Christ spirit is being manifested. I mean, during the COVID, uh, the governors, the little emperor mayors would issue these orders that, uh, you know, they can open, uh, casinos, uh, the, uh, strip clubs and, uh, the uh, Walmart, the, I mean, they are called the essentials, but the church has become the like a more vulnerable. It seems uh, COVID-19 only hurts church, only like uh, affected churches and uh, forbidden to worship and, uh, and even how to worship. I mean, some regulations even regulate that you can't, you are not allowed to sing. You can't open your mouth and uh, you, you can't even worship in your parking lot. So, I mean, these are really, I think, a challenging time and challenging questions. Uh, I guess uh, uh, as Peter said is, uh, you know, under these circumstances, we should resist. Uh, We should resist with the gospel of Christ and, of course, with the gentle spirit uh, in truth and love uh, and uh, the devil will flee. I I think uh, the Chinese church can offer that part of the lessons, um, you know, what could we lose? I mean, even losing, uh, f- his physical freedom and uh, the government can deal ours, but uh, they cannot deal the gospel and the truth of the, uh, gospel and the truth will set us free. I think, uh, maybe it's time for, uh, the Western or the Christians in the free world, uh, to wake up, and uh, that, uh, you know, uh, our faith uh, in the end is uh, should not be expected as the like all uh, oh, warm, fuzzy, uh, uh, mainstream welcoming uh, by everybody's faith. Um, and uh, we are walking in a narrow road. And as Christ uh, taught us uh, that, uh, yes, in this world, we'll have uh, animosity, we'll have hatred. We'll have discrimination, we'll have bias, we even have persecution. And uh, as Paul said, um, anybody who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus shall be persecuted. There's no, just uh, not only Americans, uh, not only Chinese, uh, Iranians, Venezuelans, North Koreans, Americans uh, too, unless we don't want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus.
2: Thank you so much for pointing this out. And so my final question is, in practical terms, what is the best way for a Christian to protect his or her religious freedom?
1: Yeah, there are several ways. uh, And I I think uh, number one is uh, really be uh, kind of prepared, you know, always being informed of what's going on. Certainly, you need to be prepared in the biblical truth. Uh, and uh, knowing, I mean, like uh, the teachings uh, at, uh, the by Paul and Peter uh, in their letters, uh, they wrote these letters, most of the, you know, may, many of them from the prison. Uh, you know, the context is from prison under persecution. And uh, so be prepared. Uh, the persecution is not a choice. It's a norm. And uh, be prepared that uh, rejoice in the middle of the persecution, not being discouraged because uh, God's faithfulness will be more uh, manifested uh, under this uh, uh, difficult persecution time, actually. Number two is uh, really to uh, resist. I think uh, resist, uh, Personally, you know, I'm not advocating for armed resist, but uh, I think uh, it's a spiritual warfare. It's uh, Every strife uh, is uh, caused uh, by this, uh, you know, the, the devil who is behind this. Uh, they want to silent our Christians. They want to uh, make you feel uh, you are isolated. Uh, you are a majority. I'm a minority. You are not going to be welcomed on social media. Uh, The big techs will uh, censor you. So these are the things uh, that, um, you know, you should be prepared uh, to, uh, with the solidarity uh, of the persecuted. I think uh, that goes to another uh, lesson uh, and uh, practically to really learn uh, something from those persecuted brothers and sisters uh, in the restricted nations such as China, such as Iran already, uh, walk the walk in the middle of the persecution. And it's one church, uh, one body. So not only we, uh, support them, walk with them, but also, uh, learn from them. Yeah. Go to, uh, like, uh, organizations like, uh, you know, voice matters like you guys, like, uh, uh, ChinaAid.org, I mean, you can learn. I mean, just uh, hearing the stories of those persecuted and hearing their joy in the middle of the persecution, hearing their prayer, their cries when they are facing the persecution, um, and the, the spirit of forgiveness, even pray for the persecuted. I mean, for the persecutors. Uh, I think uh, these are things uh, that uh, can um, deeply encourage our faith uh, to move forward uh, in our daily lives.
2: Thank you so much, Bob, uh, for these words. I'm very thankful that we have in our society people like you uh, who defend religious freedom, call attention to uh, religious persecution. I know that many of the listeners will be interested in learning more about you. So I'm thankful that you mentioned your website and we will post a link to it in our show notes. But it's ChinaAid.org correct?
1: Yes, that's correct. Helen. Also, uh,
2: I know that uh, people will be very interested in reading your story in your book, God's Double Agent. And so I'm sure it's available on Amazon or on your website.
1: Yep, it's an Amazon everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So we'll we'll post a link to that because I think it's a fascinating story. Also, you know, we like you said, we have to be prepared, and so I think that reading your story is very encouraging and inspiring. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode, Bob, and I. Uh, our prayers are with you in the very important work that you're doing.
1: Thank you, Helen. It's really a joy and a privilege uh, to be with you.
2: It is heartbreaking to see Christians around the world being persecuted for their faith, and it is frightening to think that we may be heading in a similar direction. But the Bible shows us time after time that God's favor is on his people when they refuse to worship any other God, regardless of their circumstances. If you would like to learn more about Bob's organization, China Aid, you can visit their website, ChinaAid.org. I also encourage you to check out his book, God's Double Agent, that tells his fascinating biography. And you can find it on Amazon. We will post the link in our show notes. To learn more about World Missions Alliance and how you can get involved in changing the world and supporting the persecuted church, visit our website, rfwma.org, for more information. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. And until next time, I'm Helen Todd.
0: Limitless Spirit Podcast is produced by World Missions Alliance. We believe that changed lives change lives. If you want to see your life transformed by Christ's love, or if you want to help those who are hurting and hopeless and discover your greater purpose in serving Christ through short-term missionary work, check out our website, rfwma.org, and find out how to get involved.